You are listening to a sermon from Covenant Hope Church. Thank you for engaging with us. If you would like more information about our church family, please visit www.covenanthope.church. We pray that this sermon encourages and challenges you today. Before to follow along with us. This morning we're going to uh, focus our new year. Uh, last week we uh, had a sermon on prioritizing God's word. This week we're going to have a sermon on prioritizing evangelism. And it is our goal as a church this year uh, to focus on evangelism. And as we work through the text this morning at the end of the sermon, we're going to have some goals as a church in which we focus uh, on evangelism. If you are not a follower of Jesus this morning, it's my prayer that you are welcomed here into this place and also uh, that you get to see what the church is about and hear the gospel and see who our King and Lord is, Jesus Christ, and why we have submitted our lives to him. And so I hope that as you engage this morning, whether you're a Christian or not, that you will follow along, actively think and ponder and read along with me as we worship God through the preaching of his word. I want to ask you, did any of you notice uh, a new neighborhood this week in our area? Did you drive to work or or school uh, or to an activity? Did you see a new neighborhood uh, being built around us? Ash and I and the boys were able to go hang out with uh, Casey and Katie Braswell this week and uh, for New Year's and watch some good college football. But on the way, we uh, were on Holden as we, walked, as we uh, went to their house on Holden Road. We saw a new neighborhood uh, being paved and being built. Uh, you're probably familiar with this scene uh, around our area. Whether you live in Wake Forest, Youngsville, or even Franklinton, you're seeing homes and neighborhoods being built constantly. And we see them all over the place. And so over the the past uh, few years, I've tried to keep track of the data on those who are moving into our area. It's really important uh, for us to consider this. So uh, I grabbed some data this week just as uh, as much as we can uh, because the census was done in 2020. Uh, Here's what we have currently about our towns. Okay, so Wake Forest has a current population of almost 53,000 people. It is up 4% since 2022. So over a year, it's up almost 4%. It's up almost 11%, 10.8% since 2020 when the census was taken. Think about Youngsville. The population is up 3.6% over a year. It's up 11.45% since 2020. Think of Franklinton. Just north of us, population is up 3.5%, and it is up since 2020, a whopping 13.66%. Whether you see it or not, all kinds of people are moving into our area from all walks of life. Ash and I, some of you know, we, we moved into a neighborhood two years ago. And uh, in that neighborhood, we lost track. There's like 11 or 12 countries represented in our neighborhood. We have multiple families who actually moved here from a, another country. God, in his kindness and in his providence, is moving people here to Wake Forest Youngsville. And there is a massive need for the gospel. There are people here that are moving that don't know anything about Jesus, who may have rejected him multiple times over the course of their lives. That they need Jesus. And we, in God's providence, 
sit here on, on this property with 10 acres of, of land to, to look around and see how God has made his creation. And we are here so that we come to worship and proclaim the name of Jesus. So church, I hold these stats out to you, one, to encourage you, one, to let you know, one, to help us understand that in his timing, God is bringing people here to this place. Some of you have even moved here in the last couple years yourselves. And people move here for all sorts of reasons, for work, for family. But they ultimately need Jesus. We need to proclaim Jesus. Jesus. So here in the book of Acts, we're going to hop into verse, uh, these verses in chapter 17, and it's a really important passage. Here's what we're going to learn from our passage this morning. As Paul is deeply moved by the idolatry in Athens, so he proclaims the gospel everywhere he can. Now, if you're a, a disciple today, you've called on the name of Jesus here at Covenant Hope, we talk about making mature disciples who impact their world for Christ. And the way we do that mainly is through proclaiming the gospel. So what must we do now in 2024? We must prioritize evangelism because it is God's plan for reaching the lost. As a church, we must prioritize evangelism because it is God's plan for reaching the lost. But what does evangelism look like in 2024, particularly in Wake Forest, Youngsville, and Franklinton? What does it look like? It looks the same way it did 2,000 years ago. It looks the same way as it did in Athens, as we'll see here in a second. It looks the same way in the first century. We just need a different perspective. We must see ourselves as missionaries. We must see ourselves as missionaries. Not just Christians and not just disciples, but people who live on mission for Christ. We live in a place Much like Rome and Ephesus and Athens, not Israel. We look here in Acts 17, we see lots of similarities. Now notice, as we walk through this passage, there are are a lot of spiritual people here that Paul encounters. Lots of spiritual people. But they are dead in their sins without Jesus. Dead in their sins without Jesus. And as, as Paul, as you see here, Paul's gonna, he's going to go around the city. He saw things. He felt it in his heart and soul. And then he spoke. He looked around and looked around and looked around. And he thought and he thought and he thought until he spoke with true conviction. This chapter in the book of Acts is really important for us today because we learned some key lessons about evangelism. But more importantly, we, we learned that there are needs when it comes to evangelism. We need a particular heart and posture when it comes to prioritizing evangelism in 2024 as a church family. As we do this, we need to do it together. But we also need to cultivate the right kind of disposition. So this morning as we walk through this Uh, chapter, I I want us to ponder five needs, five needs as we prioritize evangelism in 2024. So first need this morning, we need compassion. We need compassion. Look back there at verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so Paul has been split up from Barnabas, Timothy, and 
uh, Silas and the, and the Jews had been stirring up trouble for them as they were preaching. Jews were coming to the faith, and they didn't like that. So they began to stir up trouble. So Paul had to, be, had to sneak out of the city, and so he gets to Athens. He got there early, and as he was there early, he starts looking around the city. Look what it says. He was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. The city was full of idols. This past week, I had the opportunity to go to a conference for work. We went to National Harbor, Maryland, and it's super close to the Capitol. And so we drove across uh, the bridge. I could see the Washington Monument in, in the morning. We left really early, about 5.30 in the morning. And uh, even though I've, I've been to D.C., I was still very much a tourist. I'm driving and I'm looking to see the Washington Monument. It wasn't great for the guys in the car with me, but I wanted to make sure I saw the Washington Monument. And so we're, we're driving, and I'm looking, and, and I, you've done this before, right? You, you, you're excited. Okay, that, that's really cool. I want to see that. And when you visit a city, you're much like a tourist, right? You look at the buildings, look at the art, the parks, the sites, but those things don't capture Paul's attention. He's not amazed by that. What, what captures him is the idolatry. It's the idolatry of these people who worship wooden and golden and silver idols. A few historians have actually talked about Athens in the first century as one great altar. So much worship of, of these pagan gods were happening all around. They said, it is just one big altar. That's how many idols there were in this city. Now, church, although we don't have wooden, gold statues, there's still much idolatry in our time and place. And we need to understand that we not go into a culture who is not, is not a spiritual, meaning that there's no spiritual things going on. No, there's lots of spiritual things going on. Whether the world wants to tell you or not, they are worshiping something. And so, church, we must understand what we go into, that there is idolatry, whether it's the idolatry of a career or it's an idolatry of self. There are many things taking place that, that are idolatry. But, but why is Paul distressed? He knows that these people are giving their worship and their honor to statues, things that were made with human hands. The reason is that he was angry. He was angry. Paul felt something. Luke uses this word distressed here. It means to be provoked deeply into, into uh, your soul. He was angered by this because that people would turn away from God. But understand that Paul wasn't so angry that he would turn away from the people of Athens, but he would, he would try to turn them towards God. Paul was angered at their worship, and he was angered to the point of brokenness because of what enslaved these people. Distress, this word here is the same word that describes God when his people fall into idolatry in the Old Testament. Why is Paul distressed? Because these people are giving worship to things that are nothing They've been made with human hands. These idols compete with the worship of God. And when idols are worshipped, the people that worship them suffer. We just don't know it. We, we think it's freedom and it's actually slavery. 
And so church, I must ask, are we moved to evangelism because of God's glory and the lack of worship that he deserves? At the end of the day, do we want more people to worship God because he deserves all the glory in the universe and because it is right and it is good for us because he made us? Church, do we also see people in need of salvation? Are you moved this way? So that God receives worship and that so people rightly worship him, experiencing life, as we talked about in a quip hour this morning. That Jesus brings eternal life. Church, a passion for evangelism is not optional. Since the chief question isn't whether you have a heart for evangelism, it's whether God does. And God cares about the lost. And many of us in the room are going to say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have the gift to, to go and proclaim the gospel and see people come to faith. You may not. But gifts often start at the heart level. And then when God cultivates a heart for evangelism in a people, then they become, to God's credit, really good at evangelism. Because we talk about it all the time. Because we are moved to caring for people who don't know Jesus. And making the name of Jesus famous. If God's plan to save the lost is our evangelism then we must prioritize it. But we need compassion. We need compassion. We need to be moved in this way. The second need is that we need connection. We need connection. I want you to notice, Paul doesn't shrink back from the idolatry. He he goes right after it. He knows that these people will not just wander into following Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. Look at verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshiped God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Notice Paul goes to these people. Paul doesn't wait for, for them to find him. I may think, uh, I think this is the biggest need for us when we prioritize evangelism is that we must connect with lost people. I think the question we must ask ourselves is how often do we have meaningful connection with people who don't know Jesus? How often do we have meaningful connection with those who don't know Jesus? Look at Paul. He goes to the synagogue. Remember, Paul was a Jew. He says he was a Jew of all Jews. Paul felt comfortable in the synagogue. He goes where he knows he will have an instant connection with people. They worship the God of Israel. They worship Yahweh. And Paul can go right in and say yes and amen. Well, let me tell you what that God has done in Jesus Christ. And so he could connect with them very easily. But then he goes to the marketplace where he knows people will be. He knows where people will be walking by. He'll be able to strike up conversations and make points of connection. But he goes to where they are. We must go to where lost people are. Church, the days are long gone when lost people just come to church because it was a good thing to do. We must find ways to serve and engage our community. We must find creative ways to interact with lost people and then build relationships with them. It's also rare. It can happen, but it is rare for us to meet somebody on the street or in the restaurant, share the gospel, and they come to faith. Although God can do that absolutely, what we see now is that relationships have to be built. Look back at what Luke says in verse 17. It says, Paul did this every day. 
This was a habit for Paul. And it should be for us. If we're going to prioritize evangelism, then it must be a habit that we form in our lives. And we understand the gravity of lostness and the reality that these lost people will not get to God on their own. It should motivate us into telling them about Jesus and showing them who Jesus is. And so i got to ask, do we even have lost friends? Like, do we have deep and meaningful relationships with lost people? I'm sure all of us in the room would raise our hands if I said, hey, how many of you have a lost family member? How, how are you working to build that relationship to share the gospel? God's plan for evangelism to save the lost is us. And while I think that's a crazy idea, that is God's plan. And he has given us his spirit and the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. So we get to proclaim, look at what God has done in me. This is what we need to share. And so we need connection. We need meaningful connection with lost people. And so we've seen here that we both need compassion and connection. But the third need we have is we need courage. We need Courage. Often, compassion uh, for the lost and meaningful connection with them leads us into opportunities to speak and proclaim the gospel. Look there, verse 18. Some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers who debated with them, some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seemed to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul didn't throw his hands up. And say, you know what? Forget you guys. He shared the good news of Jesus with these people. And he got a response. Some of them debated him. Think, this is, isn't angry. I know right now in our time and place, it's easy to think that debate is, is angry. No, they were going, the way the Athens was kind of, the culture there was they would debate on the merits of the ideas. So they were talking about him and talking with him. And so they were also, some actually called him a show-off. Think of a know-it-all. You know that person that every time there's a question asked in class, they answer every time. And every time uh, you see them out, they're, they're talking about the things they think they know about. This reminds us that there are going to be multiple responses to the gospel message. Despite these different responses, though, to the gospel, Paul had courage to share. Church, if we're going to prioritize evangelism, then we must pray and ask God for boldness to proclaim this message. Courage to share the good news about Jesus. And look what happens in verse 19. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus. The Areopagus was the chief body, the chief council of Athens. They both led from a philosophical perspective, but also ruled on laws and disputes. You may have heard the, the phrase Mars Hill. That's how this is translated. So Paul is at Mars Hill where th- this council would convene. And this is where their beliefs and traditions were protected. The the culture of Athens was championed at Mars Hill. And look, and they said, may we learn about this new teaching you're presenting. And Luke tells us, because what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. 
So this was normal for them. And so they invited Paul into the opportunity. But he stands in front of this council now with the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. It's impressive that Paul was invited, but it's also intense. He had reasoned well enough with people in the streets. He had shared the gospel enough that people were taking notice. Hey, come to the, the, the most clear place where you can be debated on, on who Jesus is. Come to the most clear place that we hold our traditions tightly. Come to the highest office in the land and tell us about this Jesus. Paul had reasoned, but could he cut it with these elites on this council? Paul had the courage to share the gospel with them. Church, I don't want to skip over this point. We must pray for boldness. Some of us would say, you probably don't come, uh, it comes easy. It doesn't come easy for you. But church, we must pray for this because this is God's plan to reach the lost. And so church, may we build courage. You know what helps us too? Is when we go together. Something that builds courage in, in us is that we actually go together sharing the gospel. We get to build off of each other and encourage one another when we maybe fall short or maybe we feel like we stumbled or maybe we get rejected. When we go together, it helps build courage. So we've seen that we need compassion and connection and courage. There's also a fourth need we have. We need clarity. We need clarity. As Paul has seen and felt all that's going on in Athens, and he now has the opportunity to preach the gospel uh, to the, the people that lead the city. I want to point out a few points here that Paul makes, that he makes clearly. And Paul's sermon reminds us that we need just as much clarity when we proclaim the gospel. And remember, these people were trained philosophers. Think Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. I mean, these guys were really, really sharp. Look, Paul begins his sermon by first connecting with them, though. He connects with them. Verse 22, Paul stood in the middle of the Aragopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every aspect. He points out, hey, you're really spiritual, which they would have actually liked. For I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, and I even found an altar which was inscribed to the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, ignorance this I proclaim to you. Paul's gospel Begins with a connection to them. Hey, you're really spiritual. You worship so many idols. And by the way, there's this one idol over here that's unnamed. Let me tell you about him. You don't even know him. And for them, it would have just been a little, you know, they would have, would have a little podium. And they would have had a little inscription to the unknown God. Because they didn't, they, you couldn't know him, so they didn't make one for this God. And so Paul says, let me tell you about him. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it. Paul's gospel begins with a, a clear statement about the creator of the universe. The unknown God can be known. That this God is one who made everything, the universe, the sun, uh, the moon, the stars, the trees, the animals, every human in the world. This is the God that made all of us. Paul's statement removes any limitations from this God or a need for other gods. He is Lord of the heavens and the earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needs anything, 
since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. These objects and statues are lifeless. You're fooled to be thinking that you could make a God have any kind of life. Our God is the one who gives life. Verse 26, from one man he has made. That is God has made. God created and formed. If you started with us in our Bible reading plan this week, you read uh, through uh, the first uh, 15 or so chapters of Genesis. And you saw how God has made the world. He made it from his word. And he formed Adam and Eve. And that's where we come from. And so now we see that God is creator of humanity. He's not just creator of the universe. He's creator of humanity. And he says, Paul says, Every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. Not only did this God create the universe, not only did he make humanity, he's sovereign over all things that happen in this world. This is the God that you don't know, he says. He did this so that they might seek God. So thirdly, God is the God of fellowship. And perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So I need to be clear here. Paul's statement, he's using some insider language here. God is actively working to restore fellowship between us and him. That's why he sent Jesus. He's the one who acted. We did not act. When Paul talks about finding him and he says that we're, far, we're not far from him, it's like we're blind. It's like we're blind. Although it's right there. You know, you get up in the middle of the night and you know that that, that thing in the floor is there and you don't know and you hit your toe on it. You, you know it's there then, right? You've all experienced that. That's what Paul said. He, he's right there, but you can't even see him. You can't even see him. But God has done this. He's acted. He sent Jesus in the world so that you might be restored to him. You might have fellowship with him again. God has just determined the boundaries and the seasons and the times so that when he interferes and he comes into our lives almost like we're just never expected him, he's always been there working behind the scenes. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Paul even quotes some of their folks. You know, he, 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 get, he gets some some cred here because he takes one of their poems. He says, hey, they even talk about it in what you say. Since then, we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Paul says, don't you dare think that these objects in this room can be a true picture of who God is. Images fashioned by human art and imagination. If God created us, then we cannot create him. We cannot make him. And they... They will not, even if we could. He would not live in a pagan temple. So church, I want to notice a couple things here very quickly. Notice here that Paul couldn't say everything. Paul couldn't teach them all of theology in this one setting. Paul couldn't teach them all of the Old Testament scriptures here. He had to summarize. He had to be very clear. He had to know exactly the points of connection. He had to know exactly where to contradict them. Because secondly, I want you to notice that he took risks. The court held certain beliefs about the world, the universe, and who people were. And so Paul took a risk to explain who God was and who we were. To proclaim clearly the gospel. 
that he actually contradicted what they believed so that they would potentially understand and trust in Jesus. Look at verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed, that is Jesus. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Church, let me be very clear. A a gospel presentation, evangelism, demands a time of response. When we share the good news of Jesus, we need to call people to respond because Jesus was raised from the dead so that people might know the power of our living God. Paul underscores the need of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. There's going to be a day when he judges the world. He'll judge the world through Christ. And if you don't have Christ, then your righteousness doesn't measure up. And let me be really clear here. Paul doesn't debate these people as a way to try to win the argument. Paul debates them with a smile and tries to welcome them home to know God and to have faith in Jesus Christ. He wants to win them over. He's not angry. He doesn't belittle them. He doesn't dismiss their beliefs. He connects with them, and he points out the contradiction in what they believe, and he points them to Jesus. Paul proclaimed the gospel to win them over in the end. See how Paul has proclaimed the gospel so clearly. We need that kind of clarity in our gospel message as well. This means that we need to know the gospel. We need to know it very deeply. We need to cherish it. We need to preach it to ourselves all the time. That our God made a beautiful world, as Paul said, and we sinned. We sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. Therefore, now all humanity sins and rejects God. But God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, in the world, fully God, fully man, to live a perfect life that we couldn't live. And we now now have heard that this Jesus was killed in our place to shed his blood to forgive our sins he was buried but as Paul said to prove God raised him from the dead that this is the Messiah this is Jesus Christ this is the gospel that we proclaim it's the gospel that we hold on to preach it to ourselves encourage each other this is the gospel we believe hold it out champion this gospel because it must be given with clarity we need clarity but finally we also also need contentment we need contentment look there at verse 32 when they heard about the resurrection from the dead some began to ridicule him but others said we'd like to hear from you again about this so Paul left their presence very quickly I want you to notice that Paul received multiple responses again to his message some of these council members began to ridicule him like he, like he had been made fun of in the streets. This wasn't any different from then. But he also had people who were interested in the gospel. They wanted to hear more. We want you to tell us more about Jesus. When we proclaim the gospel, we need to give people room to say no, but be interested. And be okay with that. Be content in the Lord that he is in control, working in their lives. We should provide opportunities for them to know more about this Jesus, for them to read the Bible, to be invited to our church and worship with us, to be invited to a missional community, to see life happen during the week. 
Church, we must give space here to people. And we must learn to trust the God of salvation. We must learn to trust when we are rejected. When the, when the gospel is rejected. Because they don't reject us. They reject Jesus. But look back there at verse 34. Look at verse 34. However, some people joined him and believed. They believed in the gospel. God has done a miraculous work in them. Paul couldn't win them all, but he could win some. God was working on some, and so they placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and now they are now welcomed into the family of God, raised from death to life. Don't we want people to believe like this? Can you not remember the time that you made a profession of faith and you were brought from death to life? Can you not remember the times in which people professed faith in Christ and the excitement and the joy that brings to a church? Church, I want all of us to experience that over and over and over and over again. I want to fill this battery up every single week if we have to. We'll keep it hot all week if we need to. If God will work, if we pray and ask God to proclaim, for us to proclaim the gospel and Him to work and to save people from their sins so that they may be brought into God's family. Church, this is what we want. This is what we should be excited about to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And church, I know it's easy to be apathetic. It's easy to get bogged down by all the things in our lives. But church, If we're going to prioritize it, we need to be content in the Lord's timing, but also beg him to save the people in our lives. Beg him to work in people so that they may come to faith in Jesus. We prioritize evangelism, and we're going to this year. And there may be things that... that happen to us that are hard, hardships. We may be rejected, but there... I have, to, I have to believe that if we pray and we ask and we seek and we follow, God's going to work this year. We need, all, we need all five of these. We need compassion. We need connection and courage and clarity and contentment. And so as we think about those five needs, here's what I want to do. I want to share some goals for us in 2024. As a church, what, what are we looking towards? Let's hold out the standard and let's go after it. Even if we fall short, let's trust God in the process. So how can CAC prioritize evangelism in 2024? How can CAC prioritize evangelism in 2024? Remember the stats, as I shared at the beginning. Our area is growing already at 10% since 2020, since COVID. Up 10%. What an amazing opportunity we have to see people come to faith in Christ. We want people to experience salvation in Jesus Christ and then grow in their maturity as a disciple. That's our goal this year. See people experience salvation in Jesus Christ and grow in their maturity as a follower, as a disciple. So five goals. Five goals for us this year. Goal number one. Every person in our church shares the gospel twice a month. Twice a month. Once every 15 days, twice a month. And church, I've got to believe that if we'll give ourselves to this, if we'll try, if we'll put ourselves out there, God's going to work. And we want to celebrate this. We want to see 
This We want to hear about the times that go really well. We want to hear about the times that don't go so well. Because we all need to be encouraged about the reality of sharing the gospel. A part of this, though, is getting around lost people. Getting around lost people. Making lost friends. I've been really encouraged by multiple things that our church does. Those are individual our family kind of things that, that our church members do. Think about your neighborhood. If you live in a neighborhood, how can you get to know your neighborhood? I'll brag on my wife for a minute. She's done these play dates, and some of you have even come to them, where she invites folks in the neighborhood, hey, just come to the, the neighborhood playground. She gets to love on and care for, and some of you have come and helped and, and encouraged uh, these ladies and moms and, and be able to, to just do life together. And let the toddlers run crazy on the playground and not in their homes. But you get to do that and then engage your neighborhood. You, you have ideas like this. Some of you work. Some of you go to school. Some of you in school, you have friends that don't know Jesus. Some of you that work, and we have lots of teachers or retired teachers in the room. I'm really encouraged by Miss Deborah who tells her teachers every time. She, she's a master teacher. She gets to work with the teachers, not the students. And so she gets to tell them, hey, I love you and I'm for you. If you need anything, please come talk to me. I'm praying for you. Just even those very simple words can lead us into gospel conversations. Maybe it's activities like sports or dance or taekwondo, the martial arts, whatever it may be, that we leverage those things. That they're not forming us, but we're leveraging them to build relationships with people. I know others of you that have met folks in our area doing these activities and you invite them into our church. Keep doing that. I'm encouraged, even at work. I get to, I get to uh, in our MC, uh, Nate shared about these coworkers that he shared the gospel with. He, he, he drive, they drive a lot on their job. And so when they're in the van, Nate just, he's sharing the gospel and they can't go anywhere. You know, you know he's, just, he's just giving it to them. They're like, nowhere you can go. You got to work with me today. And so it's a smart, it's very smart. It's, it's a great way to be able to share these things with people and get to know them. You know, find those times where you get to go to the office and you, you corner them in the office and they can't, no, I'm just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> but you leverage these opportunities. We all have these opportunities. We have to take the first step, though. People aren't just going to come out and say, hey, can you tell me about Jesus? We can pray for that and you should pray for that, but it often doesn't happen that way. Church, there are lots of ways that you can share the gospel. Maybe it's at a restaurant. Maybe it's a place that you frequent often. Share the gospel with people. Two times a month this year. Two times a month. We'd have over 1,500 gospel conversations in a year. Number two, we want our missional communities to have one outreach or service opportunity per month. One outreach or service opportunity per month. This is really the heart of our missional communities that they, are, they, are, they take the community of Jesus and they, we spread that out into our, our neighborhoods and towns and activities and all the things we do. So, we, yes, there are days uh, and nights that we talk about what God's doing in our lives. We, we talk about the, God's word. We eat together, but that should flow out into the community. So I'm going to hold a goal up for every missional community. And we, we, we know that, that they're all growing. We're going to have to start another one. But every missional community this year, at least one time a month, on average, is engaging, serving, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got to be willing to do that. Got to have ideas. I really appreciate Andrew and our missional community had a great idea. We went and served spaghetti to Wake Forest High School basketball team. It was, it was phenomenal. They really engaged. They, they loved, they thanked us for it. We got to have great conversations. 
There's lots of ways. We just have to be willing and willing to try those things. So each ministry community, one time a month, outwardly engaging those around us. Number three, here's it's really it's a goal, but it's gonna happen. So I've kind of we're gonna at least get one of these. Okay? We're gonna have six prayer gatherings this year. So every other month, six prayer gatherings. We talk, if you've been in our family meetings, if you remember here, you've, you've heard us talk about these prayer gatherings a little bit. That we're going to get to focus on prayer as a church. We think we need to pray more, but we also think we need to pray for the lost more. And so we're going to do that. We're going to be able to take that time to break up and pray and also be together and pray for the lost in our community to encourage one another. So it's a goal, but I think we're going to meet that one. And I want to see what God does in our church this year and in our community. We're going to ask and pray for boldness to share the gospel. And lastly, we're going to provide evangelism trainings. These separate kind of things that happen and we, we, we learn how to share the gospel, then we learn and we go do it together. Those are the kind of things we want to do this year. Because as we said, church, everybody's moving here. We have to go to them. We have to figure out what are ways for us to go to them and share the gospel. There could be times during our equip hour. There could be times during missional community that we try to do some trainings. That we actively equip all of our church to share the gospel. And so, church, these goals here, or we're going to hold out. We may fall short, but we're going, to, we're going to shoot for it. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so, church, we're going to, we're going to take some shots this year. We're going, to, we're going to go after it together. And I want, hopefully, also, I want you to know we're going to have some outreach opportunities here on our campus. Whether it's family movie nights or other things, we want our campus to be a place where people gather around this area. There's really nothing on this side of capital, but would this place be something? Would our church, would our campus be something that is good for our community and people enjoy being here, that we serve and reach and proclaim the gospel? So church, I have to ask us, as we consider these, we're going we're to make sure we have these and that you have them so that you can pray over them as goals. I know that many of you are writing those down. Would you commit to pray over these things, over these goals? Would you pray over them? Because when, when you're praying over and asking God to work, I, I think he's going to give us opportunities to share. I think he's going to build in us a heart like Paul's, who was moved to share the gospel. So will you pray with us this year? And then, secondly, would you pray for somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus to submit their life to Jesus? Will you pray for them? Will you ask God to save them? All of us have that person in our minds right now. That one person, you know, gosh, I, Lord, I wish you would save them. Would you commit just regularly, even every day, when you go through the Bible reading plan, pray for them. God, would you save them? Would you give me an opportunity to share? Would you, would you the relationship may be difficult, it may be great. But would, God, would you give me the opportunity to proclaim Jesus and show how great our God is? Would you commit to praying for someone this year? Church, as I said, I, I, I hope that God works. I hope that he saves people. I hope that we have to, have to figure out ways in which to, how do we baptize this many people. That would be phenomenal. We're going to trust him. We're going to love him. We're going to love other people as we do this. The church is, is exciting as we start 2024. 
Our church is growing. Our, our God has been good to us. I walked outside this morning. There was, there was three spots left in our parking lot. Three. God is doing something here. So will you join to not just, not just fill this room up, but to see the, our, all of our community come to faith in Christ and work and work and work and lay our heads down at night knowing, God, I know you're working. So church, will you join us? Will you prioritize evangelism this year? Let's pray together. God in heaven, we proclaim that you are the creator of all things. You made a good world, but God, our forefather, Adam, he sinned. Eve sinned, and sin entered the world, and then death entered and ravaged our world. And sometimes we can't even look at our world and see that how was this even good. We've all experienced this brokenness, but what we've also experienced is life in Jesus Christ. And God, we want all of our community, we want every husband and wife and child, every person to know, every man and woman to know the good news of Jesus Christ in our community. Would you work? I know there are churches around us who are praying for the same thing. Would we work together to reach our community? God, would your word so spring in us and plant roots in us that, that we share the gospel? It just comes out easy. God, would you give us perseverance as this may be difficult for us to keep these goals in front of us, to push forward, to share the gospel? And would it just become a habit for us that we bridge conversations into proclamation, that we bridge relationships into new church family members, that they profess the gospel? God, would you help us in these ways? God, would you save people this year? We beg of you right now, in your timing, would people come to faith here? And we, would we see the fruit of our labor this year? But if we don't, would you build in us perseverance and endurance? God, would you continue to be with us? And would you continue to show us how we can reach our community? We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you build in us perseverance and endurance. God, would you continue to be with us and would you continue to show us how we can reach our community. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.